Yeah. Straight out the heroin infested streets of the Bronx. Home of corrupt cats. When niggas get their motherfucking wigs pushed back. Even if they don't fake jacks. Fat Joe. Bringing forth the illest motherfuckers in this whole rap game. Hey, you Armageddon. Let these motherfuckers know. You look, I look. You invited, I took. I'm forever wearing it. You know, so go crook. What's truth? What's lie? Welcome back to episode five of Unconfirmed Transactions. I'm here joined again by Tone Vase, who may be a more permanent fixture of the show as we move forward. The New Yorkers of the world have to unite against the evildoers in Florida. There's just this mastermind group in Florida that I think we can take on. I think if we do enough work, we can build our own secret society here. And, you know, maybe we'll go nuclear at one point. We'll try harder on that, you know. But today we're talking about elections and we're going to talk about censorship and we're going to talk about voting. And all the things that come out of that. Glad to hear it. Might be a, might have a permanent um, little battle here. It's not often New York versus Florida face off. I think the last big rap battle was what was it? Uh, oh, you're not a New Yorker, but it was a uh, big pun against uh, Fat Joe. Uh, but um, other than that, you're dating uh, it's, yourself, Tone. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am dating myself. Damn, that's not good. Um, <laughs> But all right, so our main topic for the day will be uh, censorship and voting. And uh, some developments happened within the Bitcoin space, and then we might get into the political space, but I'll let Dan uh, introduce that one. Yeah, I'm sure everyone who is on Reddit, and if you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably on Reddit all the time, checking out the R Bitcoin. It, whatever you think about censorship there, it's, it's always a good stream of info. Tone doesn't believe that, but... You know, tone uh, tone is a contrarian. Uh, <laughs> I, I really am, like across the board. Like it was like, well, everyone knows Reddit. Well, not Tone because Tone <laughs> does not have a Reddit account. I read it occasionally. I see it as an overload of information, and uh, some of the debates over Reddit I find incredibly, well, not incredibly, but I find kind of frustrating. So it would be good to talk about some of them. Um, and uh, but you act- but you but you actively participate in a lot of the communities in different ways. It's not like you're not a community participant. It's a bad format for you. Correct. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of the the Reddit vibe, I guess. So that's not a medium um, to for for me to uh, I guess be a staple of. And I kind of think the same thing for Medium. I'm not a fan of the of uh, Medium. Oh, I hate Medium. I think Medium is like for CEOs to like tell people what they think. It's like exclusively like CEOs, CTOs, whatever. It's like tech. It's like a live journal for tech companies. I I, I see it differently. I see it as. You want to say something, but you're too lazy to get a website. <laughs> that's also true. Yeah. This, that, that's kind of like I see it. And, 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 <laughs> right. And for me, if you're not going to make an effort to have your own website, then I really don't think you have that much important things to say. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, or um, if you have a company, like I don't understand how CEOs, why are they on Medium? Why can't your website of your company have, have a, a blog, blog section. Yeah. You should definitely have a um, blog. That'd be way better for their company to have right. the branding there for sure. Um, I can go on complaints about Medium. Also, if you're not signed up for Medium, you can't really read all the articles either of people. I didn't know you, that. you need specific links because the only way I read a Medium article is um, as a non-Medium user right. is if someone sends me a direct link. If I go to the author, I might be able to see one or two of what you know is trending from that author, but that's it. I can't see the history of their posts hmm. as a non-medium as without having a medium account, uh, which I think is a problem. Anyway, I, I can go on and on complaining about medium. I think it's terrible, <laughs> uh, but I'm a contrarian in almost everything, so you sh- nobody right, should well, be surprised. I think this. I still think this is interesting. So Reddit has a a blog post right now pinned to the top. They call it North Korea in RBTC, our Bitcoin or North Korea, whatever you feel like calling it, there is a post that came out. A guy did some analysis of, is there vote manipulation going on? So he watched for people when new comments came up, he looked how quickly they got upvoted or downvoted. Like he looked at like the first minute of their existence. And most comments in their first minute of existence don't get anything, any activity. But he found that on our BTC or our Bitcoin, I mean, rather that they get upvoted and downvoted pretty regularly. And he found a list of users who are being actively targeted, essentially, for downvotes or upvotes. And it's not like some upvotes, some downvotes. It's either all downvotes or all upvotes for these people. And so some of the people 
Top of the list is a guy named PB1X. No, I, no clue who that is. Or Beast Mode, Bisky, just people I've never heard of. Luke Jr.'s, he's, he's t- one of the top yeah, ones on the list. He comes in at number four is uh, Luke Jr., Luke Dash Jr. Eric Voorhees is high on the list, but it's all positive for him. Paul Snow, very positive for him. Null C, who I believe is Gregory Maxwell, is heavily downvoted as well. But there's a lot of people who uh, more or less... I don't know of, but it's an, it was interesting to look at. But what was interesting to me is what just came out is somebody's taking credit for it. Someone named Inca, someone I've never heard of. It looks like they're posting on forum.bitcoin.com about it. But basically they say that who was up and downvoted was entirely my decision based upon who I decided was trolling or unfairly being downvoted, despite making entirely valid attempts at appropriate conversation on our Bitcoin during the toxic weeks of the block size debate. At no time was more than a single instance of this running in the cloud. So it was it really acted as a single symbolic lone voice of protest against the censorship on our Bitcoin by Thymos and his cronies. So he fought censorship with more censorship, and he's social justice warrioring really hard here. Okay, so so, so let, let let's like really dumb this down. So what what is happening? <laughs> no, because like it, 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 it might be confusing. Right to the dirt. <laughs> right, right, it might be confusing for other people that are not Reddit users, including myself. Right. But basically, um, is is anyone should anyone be surprised that you have a a, a Reddit section that is comprised. I would say mostly with people that are good in tech. They're developers. And is there a surprise that someone wrote a bot that immediately upvotes and downvotes everything a single person says? It, I mean, it's it, it would take some time to code something like that. Like, this guy's acting like, oh, well, you know, like, I thought this would be a good thing to do. And he, I don't know. See, this is another reason why I personally don't find Reddit important or serious Yeah. or uh, I, I don't know. This is just one of the many things, just like with my complaints about Medium. Uh, these are the same complaints I have about Reddit. Like the upvotes and downvotes, they're taken way too seriously. Uh, Dan, earlier, you you compared it to a voting system. I don't mm-hmm. see it that way. I don't see up and down uh, as, as a voting system. And the reason is, uh, is mostly because y- you can't vote more than once, mm-hmm. but you can vote for the same person as many times as they've commented. If you can only vote, let's say, once a day or once for that person in general, though I don't know how that would work, uh, but the idea is because you can um, you can upvote every little thing they say, I don't see how that's a voting system on a person's knowledge. I just see it as becoming vindictive as it's starting to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the points mean nothing, but it's, you know, obviously people are taking them very seriously. What's up, Christian, in your car, on Blab? <laughs> we can't hear you, but glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks for dropping in. If anyone else wants to call in, we're, we're on the Blab here. Uh, something new, we're something we're trying. Yeah, we're live streaming this in a few places, including <laughs> Blab, so uh, there might be some uh, interruptions. Um, yeah, so I don't really, I, I hate comparing up, down, up votes and down votes uh, in something like Reddit uh, as a voting system. Even on YouTube, it's a little bit better. I mean, how often are you going to put out videos? Uh, many people don't put out more than one video a day, but on Reddit, you can count, you can comment hundreds of times a day, and then each one of those comments gets a down vote from someone that doesn't like you. And it adds up, and they can go historically and down vote your stuff. What's going on? Four, three, three, two, one. Welcome to our show. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. And for those late night hacks. Don't cola. The soft drink of the elite hacker. Who are these guys? It's Razor and Blade. Find a payphone in a remote Razor and Blade. That's right. This is a payphone. Don't ask. As you can see, this is just a simple micro cassette recorder. Hook it up to the phone and drop in five bucks and quarters. Record the tones that the coins make, and hang up and get your money back. And never again pay for a service that would be dirt cheap. If it weren't run by a bunch of profiteering gluttons. Remember, hacking is more than just a crime. It's a survival trait. So we, we had some technical difficulties. Some That aside, we're continuing on. But so here's how I see the classic versus core thing. I see hardworking people in core keeping their head down and just being smart. And then alongside of that, I see uh, CEOs and and stupid people lining up behind Classic. And they're like, 
oh, like we, the corporate people, the, the people in the suits, they're smart. They know what's going on. And then uh, if you want to see a really great video, you should check out the blab right now because it's getting hot. But aside from that, Tone has a really kick-ass video that everyone overlooked. He was like, Dan, you have to watch this video. You have to watch this video. And I went back and I watched it. And it's at this blockchain versus Bitcoin event. And Tone kicks it off and he's like, listen, I think you're all a bunch of idiots. He doesn't say it like like that. But basically, he he leans in and just says like, look, uh, Bitcoin is the one blockchain. And uh, skadoosh, <laughs> just, just throws. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we can't hear John Seth, but he's speaking with his body because he's a delicate rose. Um Beyond that, though, um, tell me how, because you, you, you've been saying in the chat lately, like, you've just stopped giving a fuck. Like, we've seen that John, Seth and Chris have gone beyond giving a fuck, and they're just telling people, like, here's the deal. But you're doing that also, and you're, and it's a hard thing to do, but what, how, like, how, what has it gotten to this point where, you know, you can just go in front of these people who are serious people in a serious audience in a serious venue, and you just tell them, this is what it is. And then the people next to you, like the, those, to the guy from Tendermint next to you, literally said, blockchains are cheap and easy. Everyone can spin them up right now. This is the thing. I was kind of disappointed at uh, Jay Kwan uh, sitting next to me, not because of his ideas. I mean, I completely disagree with them, but because he didn't stand up for them, right? He didn't try to pick an argument with me at all. Um, he doesn't agree with me at all. And I don't agree with him. And I was... I told it like it is. I said, Bitcoin is the only blockchain. Anything else, you're wasting your time. And he didn't stand up for his project. He, he kind of looked kinda... like his girlfriend just broke up with him. Like he yeah. looked like maybe he's got, he was very sad. <laughs> he was like, well, you know, like, a plat- we're making a blockchain platform. Usually people will kind of like when I say that, but you guys don't seem to like that. <laughs> I, I did my best to kind of start an argument over what a, what a blockchain is, but um, he, he didn't engage at all. All right, but back to your point about not caring. So I kind of had a lot of these ideas of what a blockchain is, but now uh, I guess I'm way more confident in knowing what a blockchain is. And because I'm way more confident at it, it mm-hmm. allows me to speak in front of a room of people um, knowing that I understand my stuff. And it's not tentative. It's not. I'm not guessing. Uh, I understand the material way more, mostly because I did more research and I listened, started listening to, I guess, smarter people in the space uh, to help me get there. And also about not caring about what other people think. I've always been like that in other ways. Uh, but in this space, I tried being a little more neutral at first and I was being way too polite. Uh, now I still try to be respectful. I still try not to curse. I try not to belittle people. Uh, I still like getting all these speaking gigs, even if I'm the only Bitcoin, I guess, maximalist is like to call me for an entire blockchain conference. Uh, but as long as you're respectful when you try to explain things the right way, basically towards Bitcoin, um, you can still get these speaking gigs. And to me, that's important because you have to be out there talking about it. I'm actually going to be speaking at Carnegie Mellon University uh, in a few weeks. So I got to head over to Pittsburgh. Uh, I should give, uh, what's his name? Daniel Moss from Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. He's in Pittsburgh. I should give him a call, see if he's around. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you want to talk about or like it would be heated to get into classic versus core, but like I just don't want to give credence to the argument. Like it's, it's, I see it and I just look at it and I'm like, oh, these people are going to learn. Like they think this is the position of Bitcoin maximalism is it is always uh, looked at as sort of like a hard headed, um, position but the reality is like the people that are bitcoin maximalists they came to that position through like you know you don't just start there you don't just come to that like you kind of hit your head against the wall until like you kind of go okay like this is what this is what bitcoin does like this and this is what it's good at and uh all right (laughs) right no right or like i when i criticize when i criticize projects like so so i criticize factum right i've probably used factum more than the majority of people that are buying and selling Factum. Like I've downloaded it, I've used it, I've attacked it, I've done numerous things to Factum and like I looked into it. I didn't just like, I also own part of Factum, a very tiny portion of equity in Factum, but like I know I have a 
you know, way more knowledge than you think I do about Factum, and I criticize it on that basis, not just because I'm like, oh, Paul Snow, just because I looked into it. Uh, you know, all these things I criticize, I download their shit. Like, people are so hot on BitShares. I checked out BitShares. I tried, I downloaded all their software, or when NXT was a thing, I downloaded that stuff too. And I tried it, and it sucked. It so clearly sucks. And, you know, the people that are like, oh, they just, they buy the copy. They eat it whole. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I actually haven't downloaded any <laughs> of this other stuff. I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone as deep as you have into it. Um, I, you know, I traded some altcoins back in the day till I realized that was kind of dumb. Uh, I've always said that I've only held on. To, I only held on to one altcoin, uh, and that was Darkcoin, that later became Dash. But now, the more and more I see from uh, the Dash team, I'm starting to be less and less in favor of it. Now that I know more information about the pre-mine and how um, Evan Dunfield, what's his last name? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, I guess the creator of yeah, Dash. They covered that in the last Bitcoin Uncensored show, how the guy just like said, like, yep, I did that. I like, pre-mined I, the show. Right. I heard about their Instamine, but I didn't know it all went to one person. And that person was the guy that released the code. So I didn't have that piece of information till recently. So I was always more lenient towards Dash, uh, but now it falls right into the bin with everything else. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do with the ones that I have. Hey, they're going up in value. I'll just forget about them, and I don't know. I should probably get rid of them. Are you are you, you holding some Dash? I'm holding some Dash, but I've had it for... I don't even... I got to figure out where the hell it is. Uh, but... Uh, but that's about it. <laughs> Skepticism is awesome. What was the comment? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I hope this is recording because John Seth has dropped in on the blab, and we're not able to hear him because I am a you know I don't I'm not an audio visual engineer. <laughs> but he joined us in the blab, and he's such a bad cam girl because he he took off his shirt. There's no money we can give him right now. He's making us like signs for free. He doesn't even know how to profit on these things. Come on, how are you gonna live? <laughs> <laughs> and I saddened him now. But um, the, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe uh, Jonathan, since we can't hear you, maybe you could type. But look, here's the thing that uh, I want to talk about that's going to bring it back to voting. But um, have you seen that Ruben is talking about uh, uh, putting a voting system into Corner Party? I'm not super excited about that. I brought up, here's my debate about it. So I own a thousand assets, but I own zero XCP. Because once I got all my assets, I sold all my XCP because I didn't see in the roadmap that we would have smart contracts anytime soon. So I dump my XCP, I have my assets, and Ruben's proposing a system where if you hold XCP, you get stake, you get to vote. And uh, my position is like, well, this obviously disenfranchises me because I don't hold any XCP. I still have a stake. Uh, I hold these assets. And I think voting is stupid. Like, why are you injecting, like, why are you politicking here instead of coding? And I wonder what, the, the contentious thing they want to put into the code that they want to be voted on, for example. Yes. Okay. So, Ruben, to quote John Seth, Ruben is a super competent programmer. Stake voting is retarded. I agree. I agree. I, and so, I, I just think there's probably something they want to put in the code that they think will be contentious. Uh, anyways. But, because this gets back to voting a little bit, but there's voting... The people that are always talking about, oh, we need to vote, I'm always very suspicious because, like, for example, it's Brian from from Coinbase. He wants to vote. Uh, whenever people say, oh, we need to vote, it's usually because they feel like they can manipulate that vote in their favor. And they're not getting Probably. what they want. That's Probably. generally how I see it. Um, Probably. And, and the thing is, in the Bitcoin space, I, I don't think you really need a vote because you need significant consensus and if you need to vote you're not even close to a consensus right you should know whether something is going to be good or not like it there's no there shouldn't be a need for this vote oh if it's 51 percent versus 49 percent like in every presidential election which we might get into later in this podcast i just i don't know i just everything about what's happening with classic just bothers me from the beginning well, here's my thing with the with the with the so in my opinion with Bitcoin, your vote is buy or sell Bitcoin. If you buy Bitcoin, you're voting for Bitcoin. Okay, that's your vote. Like, 
if imagine you have NASA, right? You don't na- you don't vote on like the design of the spaceship or the lunar module or like when they launch. Like, no, that is not what you get to vote on. You get to fund NASA. And then, like, watch and then you, it. And, and, then, then, you, and then the competent people right, you get the smartest, put into the fucking exactly. center. Let the smartest people design and it, and that's it. I don't want to be... I don't, I'm not, like, a totalitarian or, like, anti-democracy, but, like, this is... Designed by committee is the worst way to design something. Worst way to design something. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just reading a... The reason that... I wish we could hear you, it sucks. Because we can, yeah, 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 yeah. Sean is gay. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna stop looking for attention. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this this is infuriating tone because tone is a very important person, and he's bothered to drop in with me here with me in Brooklyn, and I just waste his time, and it disappoints him. Um, so now let me show you my map. Can you see my map? This is a map of the United States. These are the major ports. All the goods end up in warehouse in Chicago. Things are on a, let's call it just-in-time logistic thing. And this this map comes from a union that's planning to shut down the ports on the east and west coast. At the same time, they close down the warehouses. So all the, uh, you know, all the stores uh, go empty and you have a sort of moment of reckoning but that's being planned that's been planned for like several years now and I know people that are salting in warehouses to do such a thing but anyways side note no no <laughs> no, no, no. Rage's tone. <laughs> I think it's inter- I love when no, people no, no. I mean, we, like, we, we, try to fuck shit up that's just me no we can talk about this right so uh, the map I mean I it's a whole other conversation of why um, Dan Droplister um, has a map in his living room on the wall of ports and how much goods are coming in to these ports um, as a map of the United States. But it's obvious all the ports are going to be at major cities around the coast of the U.S. And then all these goods are being um, driven by truck drivers into the center of the country. Uh, and I know Ohio is one of the big ports because my uncle is a truck driver and um, 80% of his routes are from Newark, New Jersey to Ohio and then back to Newark, New Jersey with some kind of goods into those uh, into the retail stores um, on the way. And uh, what Dan is talking about is there's talk of shutting down the system, uh, closing off the biggest ports, which are New York and Los Angeles, um, and also shutting down the distribution center in Chicago. And this is because of... What do you mean? Of what? Who's, who's trying to shut it down? Anti-capitalists. Who are? Young people that are pissed off. <laughs> well, I think the, the word I was thinking was unions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because most of the things, well, not most of the things, but too many things in the U.S. are still unionized. Uh, and I would love to talk about unions for a few minutes. Uh, I don't know yeah, what well, your opinion we, of we unions are, are. diametrically opposed on unions. So I think unions are, I think unions... In, so basically, unions at a certain scale start to look like corporations again, and it just it's not not great. Uh, I do think it's really cool when people come together and try some sort of direct democracy. I think that's exciting. Um, I also think um, so. I like unions when it's like, look, we have a the, the this stuff in our factory is gonna kill us. Uh, you know, I'm dying of heat exhaustion. Um, the smelter has a tendency of maiming me and um, <laughs> de-maiming me. Like, I, people are walking out of the factory without legs. Uh, you know, really fierce, shitty conditions. I think it's really cool when people are like, well, fuck your shit. Uh, we're not doing that. But, but is that really a problem in the U.S. today? It's, it's, it's not a problem in the U.S. today as much because of, but because of unions. Unions did that, you know, people coming together and fighting for that. It wasn't because capitalists wanted that. Um, that's just my opinion. And I think a lot – my other thing too is, is that a lot of people think they're capitalists, but they merely live under capitalism and they're not capitalists and they just uh, believe the dominant ideology. So we are opposed on this. For sure. Yeah. Well, now I, I agree with you. I mean, you do need better working conditions. And one of the original uh, reasons for creating unions was to have these better working conditions. 
uh, back back when uh, U.S. had a lot of mines and a lot of underground mines, which are pretty bad. Uh, most of the mines today are open pit mines, which are significantly better. And um, there, there was a need at one point uh, for that in order to improve working conditions. But what it has turned into is basically another extortion racket. I agree um, with that. I see that. And that's what these organizations have turned into, especially if they're wanting to close down the ports. Because maybe at one point it was about working conditions, but today the unions are only about one thing, and that's money. It's only about money. The dues. Uh, and the, well, not just the dues, but in general, right? They, the only thing they really argue is money and time off, which is, again, money. Uh, it makes it difficult for people to hire and fire, uh, and it makes it very hard for the company owner. Uh, there are some very good books written about unions and what they do to the construction industry. Unions only represent like 6% of the, the working population right now. It used to be as high as 50%. So like they're not like there's if unions are ruining the country, like they represent like 5% of the workforce. Well, no, I wouldn't say they're ruining the country. It's a very, um, very, very small portion because there's been so much fight back against unions. No, um, no, I don't I don't see them as ruining the here's a, here's the thing that, country uh, until they get until they shut down the the truck uh, driving business. It's it it's it's not. I mean, this is produced by a union, but I promise you, the people that are talking about doing this are like, uh, they they like unions because they fund them, but they're anarchists for sure, like uh, communists, socialists. You know, people. I I, are, I I wouldn't call them anarchists. That I. <laughs> they they uh, people of all types. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I don't. Like I said, I, I don't think unions um, ruin the country. I think ru- unions ruin the lives of eighty percent of the members that pay their dues. Hmm. Uh, I think they make it a lot harder for them. Uh, but again, that's just an opinion. I've never worked in a play. I mean, I was a high school teacher, but but for a private school, which was bad enough. So I've never actually participated in a union, and hopefully, never will. Yeah, I, I guess I, I get so. I have like a, I guess I have a Marxist viewpoint of the world and basically in the, after the world war, you have the wars and a lot of production and you have a lot of wealth concentrated in the US and the UK and countries like it and they're doing really well, but everywhere else outside of the US is doing really shitty uh, because of that's how, you know, resource extraction and um etc. and colonialism. I, I, I don't um, know if I agree with that. Well, let me, let me explain play out my view of the world um and so you have in the 50s and 60s you have you know like people making like really good wages doing auto factory work uh stuff like that and then around in the 70s they start realizing like okay like and also in the 60s we're putting men on the moon like you know it's not like it was impossible to do that in the u.s um so you have like this period that's pretty awesome and then in the 70s, people start realizing, okay, like wages are really high, quality of life's good, uh, but you know how we'd make more money? We, if we sent our jo- the jobs overseas. So you have capital, which is very easily moved, that moves into these other countries, and they start setting up their factories there. But here's the issue of capitalism right now, is that when you start moving your factories and jobs overseas, the people that used to buy your product in these countries the first world countries where there used to be high wages now can't buy your products. So you're making more products, but you have people who can't buy your products. And it's so capitalism is constantly in crisis and it's by, it's always in crisis. It builds crises because it needs crises. You know, you either need to have a captive labor force or an insecure labor force. And that's the basis of the system. You can't have a stable capitalist society because a stable capitalist society just falls on its face and dies. It always has to grow or be in crisis. Um, well, I disagree with that part. Not has to grow or be in crisis. It's just a business cycle. It has ups and it has downs. You can call uh, it that if the, you like. The ups are always bigger than the downs. Always. And uh, But I don't agree with uh, what happened with the jobs. It's not that they, they wanted to make more money. It was just more efficient. If it's more efficient for your business to ship, to send... Uh, these manual labor jobs overseas, that's what a business is going to do. And one of the ways to help it is to either reduce wages here, but mostly it was the benefits. Uh, it, it was the benefits and the pensions that people were demanding. 
Uh, and again, the U.S. higher standard of living had a lot to do with it. Uh, but again, this is one of the contradictions when you say, oh, all of these other places are so poor and the U.S. is rich, yet the U.S. is sending them our jobs. And this is the reason why a lot of these third world countries have a much higher percent increase in their standard of living than us. So yes, we're still the richest nation in the world, but these third world countries, they're coming up real quick. Yes, they have a really low bar that they started with, but they're coming up real, real quick. And I think China is going to surpass the U.S. within 20 years. And guess what? China is going to have to ship their manufacturing jobs somewhere else. Uh, Vietnam, Myanmar, Africa. China is going to get out of that also. Uh, not tomorrow, not next year, but in 20 to 30 years, China is going to go through the same thing U.S. did. And I also have no problem with the U.S. sending these jobs overseas or having them replaced by robots. Um, no one in the U.S. should be doing manual labor at this point. With the amount of technology uh, that we now have and with the cheaper labor overseas, there shouldn't be any manufacturing jobs here. They, they should be done, um, again, if the quality is held up to par, they should be done with the cheapest labor and the people in the U.S. should be specializing into non-manual labor jobs. Uh, and if the population in the U.S. is too high, then the population will decrease to adjust for that. Okay, there's a lot there. Uh, I don't think China's going to blow up the way you think it is. Um, I was, I mean, I've, I've visited China. You can't breathe the air in Beijing. You have to drive five to six hours outside of any major city to see blue sky. It's a really shitty place. Yeah, but I remember, um, I remember I'm sorry. And they're having, they're not ramping up. They're having a, a slowdown right now because they can't sell their goods to people in the U.S. who can't afford them. Um, also, what's happening there is there's a glut of real estate that is just not used. It's empty. It's yeah, the they, they build they um, build a bunch of ghost cities. I've yeah. seen them. It'll be used. It'll be used when the Europeans uh, leave Europe because of their law. People are gonna jump to China. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So. Yes, they are. I don't think so. We could have had this conversation, you know, in like 1550. Like, you think the Europeans are gonna go to America? Yes, they are. Well, I mean, of course you'd go to America. You could just mow the lawn. Well, right, and 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 China has mowed and China has mowed the lawn for you, and even built you cities for you to move to because they're empty. Yeah, uh, with an infrastructure because they know it's coming. They're not idiots over there. I know they're not idiots. I've been there, but they're they're it's it's a it's a weird place. So like they're kind of proving that capitalism doesn't need democracy. It, you can have an authoritarian capitalism uh the american dream is sort of like oh capitalism democracy go hand in hand but the asian tigers are proving that you can have an authoritarian capitalism it was already authoritarian so you're saying that people like obviously businesses move overseas okay but if people in these factories had a choice about like where whether or not their job would get outsourced or a vote in that they wouldn't have outsourced their jobs you know that no, no, only just, uh, is allowed uh, to happen well, because you have thing. shareholders that can say Okay, here's what we're going to do. But it's right. like 1% of the population that controls 75% of the shares. Okay, but the same thing's so going to happen in a China. radically sort of like unfair system. But the same thing's going to happen in China, right? I mean, is there a are they going to ask their labor force, do you want to get rid of all these, you know, jobs making batteries? Uh, they're not going to have a choice. Those jobs are going to move. Uh, and on the pollution side of things, uh, have you been to LA? Um, to LA, no. Never been to LA. Okay, I actually haven't been to LA. I've been to California. I've never smog issues though. Uh yeah. yeah, but it's it's so much better than it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember about again, I don't want to I'm about to give away my age again. Back when I was studying geology, mm -hmm. uh we've we've had so much uh, on the topic of pollution in LA. LA was terrible for pollution. That's why their gasoline was so high as well. And uh right now uh, as far as I know, LA is getting significantly better, if not almost back to what it should be as far as pollution goes, uh, mostly because eventually you clean up the air. Um, so that's what I'm saying about LA. China's going to have the same problem. Sorry, China's going to have the same solution to the problem uh, in that people are starting to get frustrated with the pollution in Beijing, uh, maybe in Shanghai as well. I haven't been to those places yet. I've only seen pictures. But it's going to change. Pollution is temporary. 
Uh, I don't want to get into a uh, climate change debate, but uh, pollution is temporary. It's a problem. It's a technological problem that could easily be resolved. Um, Yes, it'll take 10 years for the air to get cleaned up, 10 to 20 years, but it will get cleaned up because those manufacturing jobs will leave China um, as they become more of a service economy like the U.S. and less of a manufacturing economy. But if you just move the the pollution you don't you don't stop anything it's just more pollution somewhere else well i wouldn't say more right because with with every decade uh technology allows you to do things more efficiently so yes the pollution will move but the next place it moves to it will be less than it than it is in beijing now so here's the thing uh you know uh i don't think there's a market-based solution to the pollution issue i think uh basically the environment is an externality and therefore it's not accounted for. And so if you assume there'll be like a market-based solution to an external cost, uh, you know, you're gonna, it's not gonna happen. And um, yeah, so there's no market reason to address this issue. And so so capitalism has that issue. No, no, of course there is. No, of course there's a market reason. The market reason would be what? The market reason if China wants... Uh, competent people managing these factories, why would a competent person move to China uh, only to die of lung cancer five years later? Why wouldn't uh, a competent there, government um, build a bunch of solar panels instead of pipelines? Uh, it free, may not I mean, be a... Co- the sun is just like a constant free energy source. It, it's a free energy source, but collecting that energy isn't free. Yeah, but uh, neither is it, oil. Oil has to be supported by war. Oil, like it, So basically, the U.S. is planning pipelines in places like Afghanistan. And they have plans to connect these pipelines. And NATO has said that, like, it's gonna you're gonna have to protect those pipelines for 50 years. So you have projected 50 years of military intervention in the Middle East to get the rest of the oil. Um, and during that time, we have radical shifts in the environment. So you know, we can it could be a debate or not a debate. But in my viewpoint, there's an ecological catastrophe. There's an economical catastrophe, and there is a like global war issue we have like war in africa we have war in the middle east we have global powers positioning themselves uh we have migration crises and i think that's all part of capitalism and i think what you're seeing is uh the same way you have feudalism goes away and replaced by capitalism uh capitalism is a revolutionary impressive moment in in system that did but i don't think it's uh you know, we won't be forever with capitalism. No, I but you has but, its own issues. But, that but you're, no, you're describing crony capitalism, right? Because in capitalism, you're not going to have a war. There's because no such thing you as crony capitalism. This y- is capitalism that you're existing right now. You need, but <laughs> you need, the, but you need the government, right? So one of the reasons oil is still a cheap source, uh, and yes, if companies are able to have government, uh, and uh, look, alternative energy sources um, are just not up to par yet. They will get there, and if there's less regulation, they will get there a lot sooner. But yes, if these oil industries are allowed to keep all these patents, uh, to keep down the alternative energy industry, and uh, continually bribe government um, to have these wars, yeah, you're going to have this problem. Uh, but again, this I see it more as a government problem than a free market problem. Yeah, um, so, so crony capitalism, right? Would you also accept? So, I mean, you're like an, you, you don't believe communism or socialism work because of failures in the past, right? Well, or present, yes. <laughs> what if I told you that's crony crony communism or crony socialism? Would you accept that? So, for the same reason I reject crony capitalism, is the same reason you reject crony socialism, crony communism. So, for me, the system we live under now is capitalism. It has problems, and I think it's likely in our lifetimes we're going to see a moment where it just uh, right. has a moment. Okay, I see, I see your point. Okay. okay, so let's not call it capitalism. Let's call it a voluntary free market system. So that's what we both want. Well, at least that's what I want. Well, I, I voluntary free market system. We'll try to do something without money. So it's not voluntary. What do you mean? Of course it's voluntary. If I, as long as my money isn't being taxed, uh, I, I want to donate my money to taxes not be forced to pay it Mm -hmm. that's a voluntary uh free market system basically if the government is not able to take taxes from me uh they can ask them for me 
And if I think they have a good reason, kind of like a church, right? A church doesn't confiscate your money. They ask you for it. And if you believe in that church, you give it to them. So that's how I want uh, the tax system to be. And then though there should be less wars, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I'm very skeptical of all the ideas. So like, I agree with you there. So like the people, there's people that I, I look into and they're like, they have these ideas and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. And then they advocate for a bigger government. But the bigger governments that I've seen, they they love to drop bombs. They love to like aim guns. They love to spy. And so they expect, oh, if we just took control of the big government and then made the big government do better things with the money, we'd get better results, which to me seems like a pipe dream. Yeah, I so agree. So it seems like, and then, uh, so then I don't also agree with some conservative positions about small government. Uh, in that, like, there are services I think the government should provide. So it's there's always it's I'm never I'm always like shopping the sort of ideological spectrum for like the right answer. But I do think at this moment it is important to like it's probably better to starve this government of money and and, and shrink them forcibly. Um, but I think that that will prob- the resources will probably go only to war and like right and that, things at that point. I agree with that. So so here's the problem. Is, does Bitcoin have a solution? I, I wanted to kind of br- inject Bitcoin for a second. No, though. I do think Bitcoin has a because solution. Then I because in a far future, okay, where somehow Bitcoin is taken on and and we can ha- have a lot of money in Bitcoin more than we do in fiat. You do have to get my. Um, acquiescence to pay like if 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 the government's offer me good services that i want i right. want to pay for that right exactly so i i do think bitcoin has a solution and i agree with you if you starve the government the current government if you starve it from for money you got a problem because then you're going to have what happened with the government shutdown what the government will do is if you give if they get less money all of a sudden because of some kind of boycott what they will do is they will just cut services that you need which is like 5% of what they do for you. And they will retain things like war and full mm-hmm. blast. They're not going to cut those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think Bitcoin does have a solution. Um, and it's a two-pronged solution. Obviously, you need a complete revamp of government. I do believe that some government services are needed. Uh, but I believe these should be the services people volunteer their money for. Mm-hmm. Because these services are needed. And I always hate these arguments over tragedy of the commons, which I don't really don't want to get into. But um, so the reason why I see Bitcoin as a solution is it's because of its public blockchain. So you know where all of the money is moving through. And to in order to run an honest government, as contradictory as that sounds, uh, what you would need is you would need something like the Bitcoin blockchain where all of the revenue that is going to the government is on a public blockchain where any competent developer can just track the money from start to finish. Of course, it will come with voluntary contributions of taxes. And better yet, the only way to really make it voluntary, uh, or you can even say, I, I really don't want to, I don't want to contradict myself because I'm all about a voluntary tax system. But let's say you are mandated to pay 10% of your wealth or your income. Uh, And again, there's problems with that too in taxes. Um, I would be okay if I was even forced to pay a small amount of taxes, but I had full designation as to where my tax money goes, like my 401k plan. That makes sense. I I could see that. That's cool. Yeah, you, if, get to, you get to allocate it. As I get to see. allocate it to the service to the government to the services the government wants to offer. I get to allocate. And if I want to allocate it to the service of war, I will allocate it to the service of war. You would also separate offense from defense in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate the fact that we have the Department of Defense, which has war straight out of the 1984 playbook. But I'm the, not out of their playbook, I guess he just re. Uh, he was just world. saying it's a really it like it is. complex world. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so that's a couple of things. So one of them is all the money goes through the blockchain so that it's visible. And two, you get to allocate where this money goes. And I think under those two systems, you could have a voluntary tax system. How, how do you see um, us getting to a point like that? Um, right now, I, I, I'm optimistic, but you know, we'll see. Uh, there's all these banks circling and they're, tr- they're like really trying not to use Bitcoin. So they talk about their blockchain and they're spending 
a lot of money. And I hear people within these organizations are spending a lot of social capital trying to make these private blockchains, um, other things work, uh, these Fed coins, bank chains. And my POV, uh, maybe like a last roundup point, uh, is like they're going to fail. And one of these banks is going to realize like, okay, like we kind of have to get into this Bitcoin thing. And then maybe there's like a chain event there. Like, is that because it's like, it's, this is high speculation. This but like, is how do we go to such a world like that? Like, where does it look like? Where do we or is it like the government starts coming with guns and it's like, oh, shit, like I got to put my money to Bitcoin. Uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, I, I don't th- I don't think the government will ever reform itself. There needs to be a complete overhaul. And I think it's going to come in these first world socialist nations, mostly because they will default on their unfunded liabilities. They just, they've promised too much. Is the US one of those countries? Yeah, they, they promise too much. It's not the national debt, it's the promises. Like think of Detroit. Uh, uh-huh. They promise too much. Uh, a lot of people from unions and the auto industry right. and the manufacturing, they were promised too much pensions. Uh, a lot of like Detroit has some of the highest paid teachers uh-huh. in America. Uh, they have some of the most lavish uh, retirement plans for the police and they just defaulted. They've literally defaulted on the promises that they gave to the public sector or the private sector that was unionized and um, promised all these pensions and then the car manufacturing moved to uh, to Asia the car companies are no longer profitable. They have to default on a lot of those pensions. So imagine that across America, across Europe. And then when the new system springs up, uh, maybe something, maybe there will be a politician that will try to implement this, but I don't think you'll be able to change it from within. And Trump is not the answer, even though um, I find it kind of interesting what he's doing. We'll probably save the political discussion for episode six it's basically the same argument for gold that people make is like if in in uncertain times maybe something like bitcoin would be good if there are uncertain times ahead it'd be nice to have sort of like a you know i look like a normal guy on the street but like i might have like in the cloud (laughs) my wealth (laughs) right and it'll be very important to protect this wealth and it will be the people that manage to protect their wealth when the system needs to reform uh, these are the people that will try and recreate it. And it depends. And if a lot of these people have their wealth in Bitcoin, uh, they might try to start a Bitcoin you know, monetary system for the country, but you need a lot more value on the chain. Mm. I mean, we're talking one Bitcoin would need to be worth tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. in order to even think about attempting something like this. Mm. Uh, the blockchain will need to be stable, will need to be secure, um, it's like another thing I always say, how many people you know were quitting their jobs in the mid-90s in order to start an internet venture? And the answer is not many, mostly because how many people were waking up in the morning 100% positive that the internet will be there the next day? Mm. And the answer is, again, very, very few. You, most of them had something to do with the internet or have been there for three to four years. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is the same way. How many of us wake up in the morning and believe that the Bitcoin blockchain will be secure the next day? I do. Do you? I've been putting money into it. Uh, I th- I feel good about when I put money into it. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's been it's been battle tested. I mean, obviously it could have issues, but I mean, almost all the issues that I foresee, whenever people bring them up, I'm like, oh, that would it would not die if that attack happened and it would just make it stronger um that's that's almost like all the attack vectors that people talk about i'm like oh well if that happened like it doesn't die it gets stronger almost well, always that's well right but, but you're but, but what's your 24-hour confidence level of bitcoin surviving just I sleep, 24 I hours sleep, I sleep out perfectly well perfectly all right but how many perfectly well. right but a lot of people don't right oh, okay. but on the internet how many people do you say wake up in the morning um 100 sure that when they walk through a computer the internet would work perfectly sure everybody is right well this is so uh i think we've been talking for a while so like uh one of the things i want to just preview is um i think we'll be i'll be speaking with dante as a blab about domain so if you have a specialization in domain names i'd love to bring you on for that um symbolics.com is a domain name that's been registered since 1985 so that's 31 years somebody has owned 
symbolics.com you know and we're in year seven and tone talks about how no one cared about bitcoin for two years so like we're five years into bitcoin we're gonna have decades more of bitcoin it's a lot to look this might be the most boringest time of bitcoin we find out in the future <laughs> maybe maybe but but yeah I, I i do see it that way no one cared about bitcoin for the first two years and uh again and hopefully we'll also be talking to Brittany benz if we can arrange it she Tells me she's going to be in New York in the next week or so. I'm hoping to speak with her in a hotel. I'm hoping to speak with her with Tone. So that's sort of the uh, the preview of what's happening. Yeah, that uh, should be fun. I don't know if the show is shit or what, but uh, thanks for trying to tune in anyways. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for <laughs> having me on. I think we had some good economic discussions. <laughs> All right, later. Bye-bye. They're trashing our rights, man! They're, they're trashing the flow of data! They're trashing! 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 Hide the planet! Hide the planet! Hide the planet! Hide the planet! amazing about blockchains is that you can have visa security immutability and scale at your fingertips anyone can start a blockchain and create a visa-like network that's what's innovative not that you know visa had before but it was closed and proprietary now it's virtually free anyone can start one of these things so think about what the world will be like when you have you know uh, multiple bitcoin-like blockchains that are even faster um, What's that going to look like?